Welcome to Get Your Book Done. I'm your host, Christine Closer, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, award-winning publisher, and book writing coach to thousands. I love helping aspiring nonfiction authors write, publish, and promote their best books because there's nothing more powerful than writing a book to transform your life, your readers' lives, your business, and ultimately the world with your message. So let's get started. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Get Your Book Done. This is obviously Christine Closer here, but I am not here to talk with you today about getting your book done. While I do have an amazing published author here, one of my clients, an incredible pastor, preacher, scholar, friend, teacher, human being, it's not really about book stuff today. Today, the only conversation I felt we could have was a conversation, albeit a beginning conversation, about healing the racial divide. And I am absolutely delighted to bring to you, as I mentioned, you know, my client, amazing human being, Dr. Reggie Blunt. He is a pastor, a scholar, he's got his PhD in practical theology, considers himself a life curator. And he really feels called in particular to work with people, transformational leaders of all walks of life, to help them choose the things that would help them truly live audaciously, authentically, and with agency. He is here to truly help guide people to make choices that allow them to embrace their passions, discover their purpose, and live a life that is priceless. No matter who, what, where, when, why, like Reggie, I mean, I've known Reggie for years. He was published in my Pebbles in the Pond book, Wave 5, which came out a few years ago. That one came out in 2016. So, Reggie, I've known you since, I guess, 2015, maybe even earlier than that. And as soon as I knew that I wanted to do an episode on this particular topic today, you know, I just looked into my world and like, Reggie, it's got to be Reggie. So, welcome, Reggie, to this conversation. I'm so grateful that you're here. And Christine, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to uh, share with you on your podcast. And yes, it's been a few years. I think you're right. 2015. Yes. It has been a few years. Absolutely. And, you know, while I talked about, you know, Reggie being a, a pastor he's in Chicago, I had hoped to go actually here and preach one day. And then my trip to Chicago got canceled, unfortunately. But like you hear all that, I want you to know also that Reggie is a man who comes from a single parent household in, you know, a difficult area. At times there was not enough, not enough money, not enough food. And Reggie found his his way through. And he so he comes to you with decades of this life experience to have this conversation. Now, we're going to start the conversation in sort of an interesting place. You had said, Reggie, as we were preparing for today's show, you know, that it really goes way, way, way back to first, we need to begin to understand what it means to be human and why that has to come first before we move into a deeper conversation around racial divide. So can you speak to the importance of this understanding what it means to be human first? Sure. And again, thank you, uh, Christine, for this conversation. And yes, it's a beginning conversation, but I think it's an important conversation that really needs to take place all over our country and, and really our world. And so, yeah, I believe, particularly as we are talking about how do we heal a racial divide, 
we must first find a way to kind of pause and, 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 and ask ourselves a question about how do we really value all humanity? I think that this is an area that we, we kind of lift up, but we also tend to gloss over. And, and I don't think that we're in a time now where we can gloss over this conversation. We really need to have a real conversation about how do we value all humanity? Because I believe to some extent, racism, white supremacy, uh, lack of diversity, inequality are not really the root issues. They're really the outcomes of how we answer that question. What does it mean to be human? How do I value all humanity? So, so, so inequality is, is, is not the problem per se. Clearly, it has uh, traumatic outcomes and traumatic effects on the lives that, uh, that it affects. But I really believe it's about our anthropology. I, I recently heard a speaker say that we all need to pause, stop, reflect, and then own our own ugly. Own your ugly. That's what he said. And I believe that that's what we all need to do in our country. We need to be able to pause, stop, and own our ugly particularly as it relates to how we understand the value of all humanity. Uh, I think we need to, to check our, our, our belief system because I'm, I'm a believer that, that says that what we think determines what we feel, which determines how we act. And so based on what we think about humanity determines how we feel about other people, which then determines how we behave. So well said, Reggie. Thank you. So this whole, like, what does it mean to be human? Can you just unpack that a little bit more? I'm um, just in your own conversation, your own thoughts as to, you know, what it is that we all need to be reflecting on right now, hopefully, as we are all taking this pause, you know, what to you does it mean to be human? So being a person of faith, I have to start with my belief that we are all created in the image of God. So I believe because we're all created in the image of God, that all humanity, all humanity has sacred worth. And that each one of us, each one of us possesses that we're endowed with, I believe the characteristics of God. There's a verse over in Genesis, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that says something along the lines of let us, this is God's voice in it, let us make humankind in our own image. And so I believe that we're all created in the image of God, that we all have sacred worth. And to be created in the image of God for me means that in each and every one of us, we carry the essence of God. We are endowed with the characteristics of God. And primary for me, as far as those characteristics are what I would say the power to love, because God is love, the power to create, because God creates, and the power to heal, because God heals. And so within all of us, we have this power to love, power to create, and power to heal. I guess the other thing I would say is that I do not believe that God has a hierarchy. Of, of, of God's creation. And so there's not one set of humanity that is better than the other in God's sight. 
I think the challenge that we have is that the way that we practice, we act as if God has a hierarchy. When you, I just want to say, when you say the word, the way that we practice, can you speak a little bit to what you mean around practice? Like I have a sense of what you're talking about, but I'd love to hear it straight from you. How we practice is what, you know, creates this hierarchy that God, you know, did not establish. So, I mean, if I could just be real. Um... Well, <laughs> that's what I love about you, Reggie. We're all about real here. So we can say, yeah, I believe everybody is equal. We can say that um, we're colorblind. We can say that we don't believe that no, one person is better than the other. But when we begin to engage in various ways of treating one another, then how we treat one another is a reflection of what we really believe. So we can give a lot of words to how we, how we think we, we, or what we say we believe about our interactions and what we believe about other people, but it's going to be our actions. And so if we, if we behave in a way that thinks that, 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 that produces inequality, if we behave in a way that produces racism, if we behave in a way that sets us up to believe that we're better than one group of people than another, then we're really not living out what we, if we really do believe that, if we really are saying that everybody has worth. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask perhaps another tricky question, because this is a real conversation. And it was something I was listening to someone earlier today, as we're doing this recording, sort of speak on this topic as well, and was, you know, making a strong recommendation that, you know, in our businesses, we make certain accommodations for certain segments of populations of people. And, and it's like, and then someone on the call asked, well, you know, but then aren't we treating them as if they are, you know, aren't, let me try to see if I can get the question straight. Mm -hmm. Like, aren't we putting ourselves in a place of a higher place if we are doing something more for them because we think that maybe they're not, you know, as capable or something. Like it was this very, like, I mean, I couldn't stay on till the end of the conversation because I was getting on this conversation, but like, how do we do that? How do we treat, you know, treat people equally and yet also have there be equity equity and now like everyone yeah. has the same kind of opportunity right like because some people do need more i mean you grew up you had a hard life like there were times that you didn't have enough food on the table um you were raised in a single family home and and you said that the church community really helped you know lift you you got some extra mm -hmm. there so how do we you know how do we balance that i don't know to me it feels like a little bit of a conundrum it's like if i gave my black clients you know, extra things, am I automatically assuming that like they're not capable in some way or that they need extra help? Like it's just, it was a personal question that just erupted for me this morning and caused some tears before our conversation. So I'd just be curious, you know, what you have to say about that. Yeah. And the, the first thing that caught me as you were sharing that was this whole notion of providing accommodations as if I'm doing something special or I am 
I'm, I'm already uh, making um, uh, exceptions for you. I think we talked earlier before we got on the phone about you know my understanding of privilege, and 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 I believe I'm not I'm not one who believes that one should give up their privilege. I think that all of us have some level of privilege in whatever our sphere of influence is. The challenge that we have is that when we feel like we own the privilege versus being a good steward of the privilege we've been given. And so for me, the question becomes, can we use our privilege to provide access to others who may not have the opportunity that we've been given to have access to certain things. And so it's not, so, it's not an issue of, a, of accommodating or, or uh, rationing out, but how do I open up doors for others who, have, who may not have the same opportunity that I have to open up, open up doors? I give this example, um, particularly as it relates to privilege. I'm in a, a denomination primarily led by men but we have women who are amazing, uh, powerful leaders themselves. But I, I benefit, I, I benefit from the, the, the male dominance that is in my denomination. And so what do I do with that? Do mm. I just take full advantage of that and keep it for myself and, and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, sisters. Uh, I, I'm sorry that, that, that you don't have the same access that I, I do. I hope that you are able to uh, do better later on. Or do I find ways in the midst of my privilege to make sure that doors are open for their leadership as well so that we all can benefit from this privilege? And for me, it's not an issue of giving up something. It's an issue of how do I share from mm. the privilege that has been entrusted to me. I just got to write that down. Hopefully, if you're not driving, listening to this podcast, although not that there's a whole lot of places you can go right now because we're still, lots of us are still sort of in lockdown. How do I share? Can you say that one more time, Reggie, if you can remember, because I don't want to miss it. I want to make sure that I post it. Sure. It's not something that I'm giving away. It's how do I share the privilege that has been entrusted to me so that more people benefit. Beautiful. That's a powerful question. Because you can't give up what you don't own. True. And the, and the reality is, I mean, the real, real reality is, I've heard somebody say that um, when that time comes when Oprah or Buffett or any of them uh, transition when they pass away, there won't be a Brink truck following behind them. The financial resources that have been entrusted to them is going to get passed on to somebody. Mm -hmm. And so all that we have is something that's been entrusted to us, not something that we own or keep uh, in perpetuity. Another beautiful truth. And so if we have that mindset, yeah, if we have that mindset, then, then, then our call is to share from what's been given to us so that many may benefit. So well said. Thank you, Reggie. Such a powerful truth. So let's kind of dial this down to right 
now, right? It's June, what this is airing on June 8th of 2020. You know, we're just a, a few weeks here into the George Floyd murder, which, you know, exas- I, I won't say exacerbated, just brought to light the deep need for these conversations and this change to be happening. And I can't think of, you know, his daughter, you know, saying my daddy changed the world. And yeah. you know, sadly, he, his life was sacrificed to change the world as he is right now. But like, we're living in this world. So in a very practical way, as human beings, whether we are white or black or brown or, you know, any color of the rainbow, like, would you be willing to even just share some very practical examples of how we can take this, you know, beautiful thought of like, all that we have is something that we were entrusted with, right? And, And the question is about how do I share, right, that whatever that privilege is that I've been entrusted with you know, that I've, to, to help more people to, you know, so that more people benefit from what I have been entrusted with, whether, you know, whatever your aspect, whatever your circle of influence, you know, whatever spheres that you travel in, like, if this is where we're all living from, like, what might be some examples of how that, you know, would look out in the world to today? So one of the tragedies is that what happened to George Floyd is not unique. It has been happening, dare I say, over 400 years. Yes. And so, you know, you, you, you've heard folk call it a public lynching. You know, this is in our history. And, and, it, has, and it takes place in the gross uh, outcomes that we saw on television. And it takes place in subtle ways as well. But what made, I believe, the George Floyd incident different than what has been happening for many, many, many years is the fact that people actually got to see him lose life. Mm. And I think what tends to happen is that when we don't see when we don't witness atrocities, when we don't witness microaggressions that happen to others, we tend not to be affected. So it doesn't, it doesn't affect us emotionally. It doesn't, it doesn't have an affect on us. George Floyd caused an affect. It caused folk to be able to say, I can't believe that this just happened. Yeah. And so I would say, from a practical standpoint, is that we have to take our blinders off. And so now it's time for us to ask ourselves, what am I not seeing? And how do I take some responsibility now to start seeing versus taking a blind eye or having a blind eye to what's going on around me? How do I see? What's going on in the place where I work? What's going on in the community that I'm, I'm serving? What is it that I, 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 what are my blind spots? And how can I have some trusted friends to tell me where those blind spots are and not get defensive by them, but to really hear? Mm-hmm. 
I have a, uh, a, a friend who um, does some great work around helping different communities, different groups have better, truthful, audacious kinds of conversations with one another. To be able to help them hear what they don't normally hear is he calls it fearless dialogues. And he opens every meeting by standing in silence, but looking around, looking around the room and just about acknowledging everybody in the room with a head nod. And he does that, and he said, and after he's done, he says he does that because what he wants folk to know is that I see you. And that's what he says, I see you. And part of our challenge is that we don't see each other. We might say that we, we, we believe that all humanity is sacred and all of us are equal, but the reality is we don't see one another. We look past one another. And so part of the practical stuff, I think really the, at the heart of it is, are you ready to see? Do we need another George Floyd before you're willing to see? I pray the answer to that question is no. Yeah. Me too. Interesting. Just the other night, my daughter um, and her friends wanted to go to a protest here in downtown York and have their voices be heard. And it's like, okay, we're in the middle of COVID. You know, like some of the protests we know have gone sideways. People have died or been arrested, whatever. I'm like, this is my 15-year-old daughter. And, you know, what do I do? You know, like, what do I do? And my husband and I talked about it and we, we just felt like it was so important, like history. We, I really do believe that we are living in times when we will see history changing from what we're living in here in 2020. And I made the decision. I was like, you know what, like put your mask on, bring whatever supplies you need. I'll bring your friends down there. I, I didn't hang with them because they wanted their independence. Of course, they're 15 and 16-year-old girls. Sure, sure. <laughs> they don't want mom around. But, you know, I went and participated and listened. And it was it was just so, so moving, you know? And I, I like, I, I want my daughter to actually listen to this episode. She's not a big one for paying much attention to anything that her mother does. <laughs> but I think I'm going to invite her to listen to this episode because there's so much richness richness in it. And I think of all of the people who have been protesting and having their voices heard, really screaming to the world, like, let's not have to have another George Floyd. Right? Let, let's get this yeah. now. Let's see things change now. And just that simple three-word sentence that you just said that your friend with the fearless, um, fearless, dialogue. fearless dialogues, yeah, you know, I see you. I see you. I mean, if we just each yeah. walked around with those eyes on, whether it's the clerk at the grocery store, the person on the street, like the other night for me, it was the pizza man who showed up. And, you know, we had, after the protest, the was like, we're hungry. I'm like, all right, let me get some pizza for you. And this beautiful black man showed up to deliver the pizza. And we probably had a 10 minute conversation. And my husband's like, he probably needs to get on to the next delivery. But he wasn't like, he was so happy. He was talking about like these conversations are what makes him love this delivery job that he has. Cause he gets to talk to all kinds of people. 
And I like in that moment, I felt like I was practicing the like, I see you like you're this man yeah. who's going to his second job to deliver pizza to my door, probably to provide for your family. And like the most joyful delivery person I've ever seen in my life. Like really, he was so happy. And it just felt so good for me personally and for him. Like my husband and I left for a walk after he left and um, he was driving down the road and he drove past us. He like tooted and waved. It's like we made each other's day. Yeah. By by taking that pause to simply see each other. And maybe that's just one little example. Like what if we could all just, you know, do that all the time. And then I would add to that, then we need to listen. This goes yeah. back to, I think what I shared earlier, I, we need to stop. We need to pause and we need to listen and not listen from a place of being defensive, but to really listen and learn. I want us to see each other and I want us to listen to one another and I want us to learn from one another so that we can then begin to talk about how can we be of support to one another. Yes. Because the other thing um, about privilege is that um, privilege doesn't mean that you're the only one who has gifts. Uh, privilege doesn't mean that you're the only one who has um, you know, opportunities to be something, do something, make a difference. Again, if, if, we, if, if you buy into my notion that we all possess the essence of God, then we all have the power to love, power to create, power to heal. The challenge is, is that there are barriers and hindrances that keep people from being able to fully love, fully create, and fully heal. So if I, in a, as a person of privilege, can be, create access for people to, to love and to create and to heal, then I help to make the world a better place. Mm. Indeed. Indeed. As you're saying that, Reggie, I so wish that you could have been at the October Breakthrough event this, last, this past year. I really am sorry I missed it. Ah, oh, there was a moment where this amazing 19-year-old man came out at Breakthrough for mm. the first time, aside from his parent, you know, his parents and closest family and friends as a transgender male. And the room was filled with, you know, everyone, Christian, Jew, atheist, black, white, gay, straight, lesbian. Like th there was such a mix in that room. And like to witness the kind of moment you're talking about now where someone feels so seen, so safe in such diverse mixed company to be able to say, this is who I am. I and mean, there was not a dry eye in the house. All there was was that love, that power to love that you're talking about. And I think some of the tears in the room were shed by people wishing that that was just how the world you know, could be. But it's, it's each of our responsibilities to, to bring that, you know, that kind of seeing, that kind of listening, that kind of power of love uh, to the table. It was, it was, it would, you know, I don't record those events really because they're just, they're too interactive to make sense on recording. Um, but Reggie, you probably would have been there shedding tears right, 
right next to all of us. Well, and Christine, and I know that you didn't ask me to, to say this, but what I have always appreciated about you and my relationship with you and my work with you is that you create these spaces. You, you, you create these spaces for love and creation and, and, and healing uh, to take place. It's not just the mechanics of getting a book written, but it really is helping people to delve deeply within who they are and bring out who they are so that they might find ways to share their voice uh, with the world. And so I wanna thank you for being that conduit to being that, that one who helps to create that space for that power of love and creation and healing to happen. Well, thank you, Reggie. It is a joy and honor to serve you know, everyone I get to serve in that capacity, including you and the circles we've been blessed to sit in together. So thank you for that. We are sort of beginning to come into the concluding portion of this conversation today. And I just want to ask Reggie, like, is there anything else you want to make sure as we touch on in this beginning conversation, you know, we, we're not, you know, we're not creating world peace today, although we're beginning to have this conversation um, that hopefully has inspired all of you listening and given you something to just think about more deeply, some way in which maybe you're going to go out there in the world and just begin to see more actively and listen more actively to just hear what is happening. But what else feels important to you, Reggie, that we bring into this conversation before we start to round it out and close it up? I, I think I just would want to reiterate what I've shared earlier about how do we understand our responsibility with the privilege that we've been given. Because again, I just truly believe that privilege is not something that we own, but something entrusted to us. And how can we be good stewards of that privilege that's been entrusted? And so I would want persons to think about how could they use their voices in places that others can't or don't have access to? And, and how can we open doors for persons who are not in position to open the doors for themselves? Because uh, again, whatever we do on the micro or macro level, still comes back to our belief system, whether or not we believe all humanity has sacred worth. And what we believe will reflect in what we end up doing. We've heard the old adage over and over again, action speaks louder than words. So the question becomes, how will we act? What will we do within our own sphere of influence? What will we do? Thank you, Reggie such powerful nuggets. I feel like if anyone, you know, listens to this once, they'll probably listen to it twice. I'm even thinking this might be one of those episodes. I've never done this before, but this one might need a transcript, you know, and be put out as a blog so people can read and digest and underline and really take in for themselves the pieces and parts of everything you've shared that can help them, you know, in these, in this beginning, you know, wave I'll say of conversations around, you know, healings, racial divide. It is now a global conversation. Um, it is a conversation. I think that's never quite been to the forefront like it is now. 
sadly it took a George Floyd to erupt this awareness like it has. But, uh, you know, what a gift to have you here with us today, Reggie, and sharing, um, you know, from your heart and your soul and all of your experience in, in this way today. So I'm just, I'm deeply grateful. Uh, this was a very last minute. Like I shot Reggie a text. I'm like, Hey, Reggie, <laughs> any chance you're available like tomorrow or the next day to have a conversation? And you responded right away and this got to happen. So I am deeply grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I am grateful for this opportunity to share as well. Thank you so much, Christine. Yes. And I want to share with all of you listening, some resources um, that we put together. Well, first of all, if you want to connect with Reggie, you can head over to the show notes. There is a link there to go directly to his LinkedIn profile and connect with him there. I also put in a link to wave five of Pebbles in the Pond. That was one of my um, best-selling anthologies. Reggie is in that book. He has a beautiful chapter called how to care for a masterpiece. You got it. Um, so that is, if you get the print edition of the book, that chapter is on page 27. So there's a link in our show notes to go get a copy of that. It's an incredible read. I reread it this morning um, before I had this conversation with Reggie. And it's like every word just resonates off the page, perhaps especially now with what we're going through. So if you resonated with Reggie, I highly recommend you go grab a copy and read his chapter on how to care for a masterpiece. And for those of you who might be interested in hearing Reggie at the pulpit as he pastors his church, they are virtual right now. So you don't need to have to go to Chicago to hear him. He goes virtual on Sundays, and I will put a link in the show notes for the Facebook group. Um, it's the Arnett Chapel AME. So that's African Methodist. Episcopal. Episcopal. <laughs> How am I? Why am I? A-M-E, African Methodist Episcopal Church. Okay, that's a mouthful. <laughs> African is. Methodist Episcop Episcopal. <laughs> All right, so you can head over there. Um, again, in the show link, you'll go um, and you can like that page and you can go tune in to the Sunday services that Reggie is facilitating over there virtually for now. No need to go to Chicago for that. And... I think on that note, that probably wraps up everything for today. Reggie, I just want you to know, again, how grateful I am. I have a couple of pages of notes for myself with all of your nuggets of wisdom and words and healing messages and powerful, powerful questions um, that you gave us all to think about today. So I am grateful that you were here with me and grateful to all of you for listening and tuning in to today's episode of Get Your Book Done. So I look forward to being with you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today. And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant, which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere. And I'm grateful you tuned in.